to my love took it down I climbed a mountain and I turned around and I saw my reflection in the snow covered hills till the landslide Within my heart rise above Can I sail through the changing ocean tides Can I handle the seasons of my life Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. I don't really even know where to begin about yesterday's game. Uh, you all know the score. Uh, the Packers having one of the worst playoff losses in the history of the NFL. Uh, just for completeness sake, I will say that they lost 28-22 to in Seattle to the Seattle Seahawks in a game that... I saw yesterday, and I'm not quite sure. I really believed that it happened. Uh, Matt, this is the first time in the history of the show that I don't have any notes. I don't have any format. I really don't know where to take this, but gosh, uh, I, I, I've never lived through a sports moment like this. No, and I, I was trying to think of other collapses similar to this, and the, really the ones that come to mind are the big comeback ones, like the you know Oilers-Bills or that the Chiefs-Colts one from last year, but even those were... You know, not quite even done in this heartbreaking of a fashion where it was four minutes, the game was over, everybody knew it was over, mm-hmm. as long as you didn't just give it completely to the other team. And obviously, for everybody who saw, that's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. It had, for that last four minutes and then into overtime, I feel like I can barely remember it. I don't know if I was in denial or if I was so anxious that it just wasn't sinking in or what, or if I, you know, I just didn't believe it. But I I hardly remember it today, I feel like, and I don't feel like it's real, but obviously it's very real. I feel like I remember almost every play, (laughs) honestly. It just is one of those things that is burned in your memory. And The Pro Football Reference has a stat that they have where it's win probability, and then you can watch the line throughout the game, and they use historical data to track that based upon the game conditions and the score and the amount of time left in the game, what is the likelihood that one team is going to win? And after, they do it play by play, it adjusts after every play, after Morgan Burnett's interception, there was a 99.9% chance wow. that the Packers would win. So the 0.1% chance coming from nothing other than the game was not actually over. Mm-hmm. But for all intents and purposes, it was. And... <laughs> I, I was trying to think of other collapses, too, and this is easily the worst loss in the history of the Packers. I, I think it trumps Super Bowl Thirty Two. That was back and forth against a really good team. You never once felt like Denver uh, was under control, and as a matter of fact, after they were up 7 nothing, they never led again the game. So that one doesn't count. I think some of the Favre collapses don't count. I can't think of one that was worse, that was this late in the season, and I couldn't think of one... Or uh, yeah, late in the game or late in the season, but I, I couldn't think of one for almost any team in the NFL. I mean, this is Steve Bartman, Bill Buckner territory. This is a historic sports level collapse, and uh, wow, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not much that compares. That's for sure. It's definitely one of those that is as much as we'd like to forget it instantly. It's going to live forever, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, and not just for the next few years. Basically, as long as we're watching NFL football, it's going to still be there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's unprecedented, and uh, unfortunately we're on the wrong side of it. Well, and I was thinking about your quote that you had had. Uh, Eric Hansen asked us a question a couple of weeks ago and said, if the Packers were to go on to play Seattle and lose, 
how would you view this season? And we both said that we would view this season as a success, and you had the prophetic line that said, I say that sitting here now, but I know something's going to happen in that game, and I instantly hate this season forever now. And gosh, were you spot on with that. And you weren't just one moment, it was about ten moments that all had to go the right way. And we can get into the specifics a little bit of the game, but the thing that just frustrates you so much is that, obviously, the way they lost... I mean, they we were ready for them to lose this game, and I was ready for it for most of the first quarter, even when they were doing well. If they would have lost 31 to nothing, I, I, I still would have looked back on this season fondly. And if, I, if they would have... If, if Aaron Rodgers would have got hurt on the first snap and Matt Flynn would have come in and gotten demolished, I would have remembered this season fine. But to lose the way they lost yesterday... All of what happened this year with the Rodgers overcoming the injury and the last second win over the Dolphins and the two 50-point games, the best two back-to-back games they've ever played at Lambeau Field, the triumphant comeback for Aaron Rodgers against the Lions and then also uh, against the Cowboys, the win over the Patriots, and Aaron Rodgers' entire MVP season, and the way they played yesterday is erased. The last four minutes of yesterday's game is all anybody's going to remember for the rest of time of this great, great season. All of that stuff doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't even feel... it. It. I don't know if it was a waste or, or whatever, but that's... Gosh, it's just devastating that... I, I can't imagine how they feel, but as fans, it's just like... Those are kind of the fun things that you look as components of a successful championship season, or even a successful season in general... But the last four minutes plus of yesterday's game ruined everything that we saw for the previous six months. I can't believe it. Right, and it, it's going to take time to reflect on it and wait and see. But it, I would think going forward, this might be like my least favorite Packers season of all time, just because the way it ended. I mean, you can't look back on it fondly, even though there was a lot of really great things. And we had a lot of profound moments in the show where we talked about enjoy these little things now, enjoy this, because you know, it doesn't always end well and usually doesn't, but your team usually doesn't do that to you too, as a fan. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it, I mean, it's really hard to sit and look at this and be like, well, yeah, great season, guys, you know, and, and I want to think that, and obviously I'm still a Packer fan for life and we will continue watching every game forever, but mm-hmm. that's just a, a dagger straight into the heart, <laughs> and you can't really get over that. I'm not going to look back fondly on this season, you know, I'll... I think they're a favorite going forward next year, probably, and I really like this team. But who you can't, cares? You can't do that to me as a fan. I mean, that's just too much. Well, and and like what you just said there, and I know I'm lying because football is it's it's for half of America, but it's definitely for for Packer fans. It's not a hobby; it's almost an addiction. Yeah. And at times, it feels like obviously I'm making a very large uh, leap here, but. It feels as emotionally damaging sometimes, and I've been as close as I've ever been to being like, I don't, I don't like sports anymore. Like, what is the point of all of this? And I know it sounds ridiculous to say that, but I haven't felt as sad, as sad as I feel today. The last time I felt this sad was when our family dog died, uh, about three or four years ago. And I've just been in a funk all day, and you, it's, it's embarrassing. How bad I feel today on something as trivial as a football game, but you still feel it. And I I just want to know, you always think of life in balance. And to me, it's when does this sorrow that all of the Packer fans and the hardcore fans are feeling today, does that ever get recouped? And I don't know that it does. Um, Our mom always wants to understand what it's like to be a sports fan. I can never think of an analogy because it's really unlike anything else if you're not a sports fan. But I always describe to her that if you're a, a, a normal person, you have five best days of your life and five worst days of your life. And if you're a sports fan, you get an extra two or three of each. And I'm like, that's up to the individual to decide if that's worth it. Well, yesterday I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not worth it because of how horrible I feel today. If you take Super Bowl 45 and put it on one side of a scale and you put yesterday on the other side of a scale, it doesn't balance. Yesterday is so heavy that it flips Super Bowl 45 out of the scale and throws it across the room. I feel horrible today, and I don't even know if winning a Super Bowl 
would be the joyous equivalent of how awful I feel today, and it makes me think of how frickin' stupid it is to even care about sports at all. Yeah, and I guess maybe that's part of the reason why we do care about sports is because you can have something like this happen yesterday. You feel the emotions of it, you know, which is something really most of us don't feel in our day-to-day lives. That kind of devastation, is as bad as it might be, it's still a strong feeling, and you're able to feel that for something that doesn't matter, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you didn't lose anybody in your family. I mean, everybody's still there. Your life is still fine. But you, you get a chance to feel either that extreme high or extreme low without anything really changing in your life, I guess. But but isn't that stupid? I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> it, it's like it seems ridiculous, and maybe I just needed that moment. I felt like my perspective on sports has been maturing as the years go by, but holy cow, it just seems so dumb. And I, I can't imagine what the players are feeling. And uh, I, I read a comment today under a Packers story, and it said that after the – previous losses in the playoffs that we've had recently I was angry today I'm heartbroken and I think that is a perfect way to describe it we'll get more into the game but I've heard everybody thrown under the bus today I'm not mad at anybody including Bostic I'm I'm just I feel horrible for all them and to be that close and just to have it ripped away against a team you just really really wanted to beat and a team you dominated at real football and lost because of four fluke plays that only happened league wide like a dozen times each it just rips your heart out and I can't I don't even have it in me to be mad at any of those guys today I just feel horrible yeah, I mean, you get mad at the circumstances and the situations in which they maybe made a mistake, but I don't hate Brandon Bostick or Haha Clintix or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, it's just overall, I mean, just such a poor effort. And, and kind of on a side note here, when we're talking about some of our, the worst games as Packer fans, I'll say that there's been one that topped this one for me. Yeah. And, and maybe because my perspective is changing a little bit and you're maturing and it doesn't quite hurt you quite as much as it used <laughs> to, but that 07 game against the Giants with Favre's last game potentially throwing that pick. Mm-hmm. I think that one might have crushed me a little more than yesterday just because it was, uh, I don't know, we were expecting to lose. I, it, I don't know. It, it's yeah. definitely number two for me, I think. But I think that Giants game might top it. Yeah, uh, that one's tough because it always felt like a bonus. I was convinced going into that year and even the year before that Brett Favre was never going to sniff another Super Bowl again. Mm-hmm. And it was just going to be fun to kind of see him play his best and wrap up his career, almost like Marino. It would be fun to get another few shots of the playoffs, but there's no way we're getting that close again. And the difference in that game was the Giants dominated that game. They scored a touchdown that was called back on a phantom holding penalty that would have put them up 27-20 to and wouldn't have been needed overtime, and then they missed a field goal. Lawrence Tynes missed a field goal before overtime. Yep. So it felt like the whole game, you're just like, the Giants are way better than us. The the offense had like 20 yards in the second half of that game, and it just felt like, yeah, the Packers were a better team, but the Giants just so thoroughly outplayed them that when they lost, it was devastating, and it was really maddening that it came off a far of interception, but it felt like, we deserved this after what happened. Yesterday, they kicked the crap out of Seattle for yeah. 55 minutes and then just gave it away. And they gave it away on a fake field goal, an onside kick, a coin toss, and a weird two-point conversion that was reminiscent of Russell Wilson in the Big Ten championship game. And that's why I can't even be mad at them. In football, the stuff they game planned for, it all worked. It all worked. And so what's Mike McCarthy supposed to do? It's not like 4th and 26 where you fire Ed Donatel and you... You change your whole defense to prevent 4th and 26. McCarthy's going to come to training camp 2015 and be like, okay, guys, here's on the itinerary. How to catch an onside kick, how to cover the the uh, tackle on a fake field goal, and how to call heads instead of tails. If we can do all of these, we're going to win the Super Bowl. Because none of those are probably going to come into play once, <laughs> like the entire year next year probably. Yeah, exactly. And, and so that, to me, is where the frustration is magnified. In the actual game of football, we killed them. They are going off and they're strutting their stuff. Russell Wilson could have won four straight national championships at Wisconsin, and I hate him forever just because of yesterday. And you, you get all of these guys getting so much credit, and they don't deserve any of it. They they won on fake stuff. It's I, I can't even think of an equivalent. Imagine a guy having a perfect game, and you lose Game 7 of the World Series because... Four straight pass balls, or something ridiculous that has nothing to do with baseball. This is what it felt like yesterday. It's maddening. Yeah, and I hear you there on all of those things, but I might disagree with you a little bit in the fact that, yeah, they they kicked the pants off for 55 minutes, but then they completely quit for the last five in overtime. No, that's fair. 
it's, I mean, you lose the coin toss. Haha, ha Clinton Dix made a bad play on a ball on the two-point conversion. Horrible. And, you know, Bostic made a mistake. But your defense, who held them in check the whole game, just completely quit. I mean, they didn't stop them one time in those three straight possessions. Yeah. And in my opinion, you deserve to lose. Seattle didn't do that the whole game. They were slow at first, but they they didn't give up three straight touchdowns either yeah. like that. So I, I yeah, hear Yeah, 15 you. points in 44 seconds. Here. No, he's, he's, he's as mad as we are. I, I agree <laughs> with Wallace. But if you do that defensively, you got to play the whole game. If you don't, you're going to lose, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I, you're right there, um, but still, that's what just makes it so maddening, is that none of that matters. That breakdown doesn't matter if if A.J. Hawk trusts that Devon House is faster than John Ryan, then you have an extra three points. If, uh, I mean, if you catch an onside kick, it's over. I mean, those two fluke plays, you just have to make either of those two, and it's over, and so I understand. You're totally right about the defense. They didn't need to just completely fold up. But to even be put in that position took unprecedented circumstances. They've been playing pro football for almost a 100 years, and you had to have unprecedented circumstances to even put them in that position where they could be the scapegoat. It, And also at the same point, it's like they would have never been there if all of those guys you mentioned hadn't been phenomenal for 55 minutes right. up to that point. Yeah, Clinton Dix probably had his best game, but... That interception he made should be remembered and be in highlight films forever when he's running away from the ball and reaches back across his body and scoops it in with one hand. I mean, that's the kind of play that should have been shown on America's game 50 times for a Super Bowl-winning Packer team. Yep, but if he could have deflected a ball down on a two-point conversion on a miracle play, it would have been, but... Yeah. Now it's it's forgotten, I guess. So, but yeah, like you said, it, it took miracle after miracle for that for them. And at the end, when Mason was kicking that field goal, you and I both were sure he was going to miss, just because it seemed like something is happening here yeah. that is making all this bizarre stuff happen, and it's not going to go in the Packers' way. <laughs> and he made that field goal, but then of course Russell Wilson just tosses up a bomb yeah. in, in overtime, and it goes their way in that fashion. So, Ugh. yeah, bizarre. I, I mean, there's no other way to describe it. I, <laughs> It was the worst, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm, I can't take the Russell Wilson talk. And maybe it's sour grapes because he was at Wisconsin and did jack for him. Mm-hmm. But I don't care how humble he is and how much he encourages me to follow my dreams. My dreams was that you played awful yesterday and you did, and it still didn't matter. It's I can't stand hearing his name mentioned in the elite talk. He played great for five minutes. Congratulations. You're the only quarterback in history who's ever been given an infinite number of chances because you have a 15 points per game defense in an era of offense where everybody scores 30 points a game. That defense was great. That Seattle defense deserves credit. They're the only reason the Packers weren't up 30 to nothing at halftime. But it's like I can't stand when you... Russell Wilson gets that kind of credit. Early Tom Brady gets that kind of credit. Mm-hmm. If Peyton Manning or later career Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers plays the exact same game that Russell Wilson plays yesterday, those last two drives help the Packers lose 42-13 to 13 right. instead of allowing them to to just steal a victory that they didn't deserve. I don't, I don't know if people just don't care about that stuff, and I understand that towards the end of the game, it's the old winning time that uh, Magic Johnson used to talk about, but give me a break. Any other, If he was on any other of the 31 NFL teams, he would have lost that game by four touchdowns the way he played. Right, and his whole legacy was would have been shifted had that not happened at the end there. He would have no longer been this guy who was great in the big spot because of one game, which would pretty much probably would have been the worst game a quarterback's ever played in the playoffs. I mean, he was yeah. so bad, and he couldn't hit anything. Four picks, and just miserable, but instead it finishes like that. And it, I think he's I, the I only agree. guy in history to throw four picks and win, uh, or he's the second guy. The only other guy is uh, Joe Ferguson in the 80s threw four picks and beat Richard Todd of the Jets because Todd threw five. So... Unprecedented there too, but go ahead. Yeah, and sir. an elite quarterback doesn't do that, and no. I wouldn't argue, ever argue that. And anybody who argued it to me, I would think was stupid if they said he was elite. But it, there is something to be said about how weird it was that he was so bad all game, and then all of a sudden, I mean, he just flipped the switch, and he wouldn't have made that throw in overtime throughout the whole rest of the game. But somehow no. uh, he makes it there, and I don't get it. I don't get what happened where all of a sudden he could function again. Um, the game plan was weird for them early in the game, too. They weren't seemingly letting him move at all, which is 
always been the Packers' weakness against teams like this, and he was just sitting in the pocket forever. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like they figured that out with four minutes left. Like, hey, let's let's scramble this guy, run some read option and some boots and things like that. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner, but I guess maybe that was the difference. But I have no other explanation as to how. <laughs> With four minutes left, he became a, a good quarterback again. Well, and that's what's so unfair about this. Is in addition to that, well, Pete Carroll now gets credit for being this gutty, never say die coach when his game plan sucked. Yeah. And so you're telling me that this never day, uh, never say die, smartest coach in the world would say, okay, guys, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna not play to our strengths. We're gonna play awful all game, and then when the going gets really tough, fake field goal, and then we're gonna recover the onside kick because the four string tight end is not gonna listen to his assignment, and he's gonna bobble it, and then we're gonna catch it, and then we're gonna score. It's like, that's ridiculous. He got lucky. They all got lucky, and the guys who actually executed and did everything almost right are now McCarthy and Rogers and all those guys, and let's talk about that right now. What has this done to their legacy? And, I, I think not only does it damage McCarthy's legacy tremendously, the, the thing I said on Twitter for the whole team, let's just talk about the whole team here. I said with four minutes remaining, the Packers were on their way to disproving every criticism ever said about them. And four minutes later, they had confirmed every single one of them. Mm-hmm. That yeah, they were amplified in four minutes. Yeah, in four oh. minutes. This defense sucks that Aaron Rodgers can't win big games, that Mike McCarthy can't coach against elite opponents, they can't win on the road, they can't win away from Lambeau Field, they're not physical, all that stuff was disproven, and then four minutes later, it was all confirmed forever. Yeah, times five. And <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I, I mean, as as being in it, like we are as Packer fans, I feel like it definitely affects the legacy for us. But I think if you, you look back to a few years ago when San Francisco lost a, a heartbreaking NFC Championship game as well, I mean, they came back the next year and were in a Super Bowl and everybody thought they were great. I, I feel like if, yeah. from the national perspective, if we get back next year, we win a Super Bowl, it's no harm done. But, I mean, we're obviously always going to remember this and the pain that we felt for this game. So, I yeah. think a Super Bowl win does erase most of it, but it, it definitely is a permanent uh, tarnish on the record. Yeah, and I- I'm always a pessimist, as anybody who's ever listened to the show knows, but I don't see how this loss doesn't destroy the team. And maybe you can add something since you uh, competed in more organized athletics than I have, but I don't under—I don't see how you could possibly bring this exact same group back in. Um, and obviously there's, a, there's turnover every year, but the core group, hearing Rogers talk and hearing Josh Sitton said today it he would rather have not made the playoffs at all or lost to Dallas than have that happen yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, and that he feel like felt like he wasted seven or eight months of his life. And you hear Aaron Rodgers, it sounded to me in a lot of his comments that he has abs- he's lost a ton, if not all, of his confidence in Mike McCarthy after yesterday. I don't know how you come back to the drawing board and say, oh, yeah, that was a tough one, guys, but let's dust ourselves off and get back on it. I mean, maybe you got to... Call up some of them Buffalo Bills from the '90s and found out how, find out how they did it. But they there's one thing being proven that you're not good enough. Like to happen to all those resilient Bills teams. This team was good enough and gave it away anyways. Yeah. I don't I don't know how you recover from that, and I don't know how badly this is going to poison the locker room. But it's gotta in some way. But you can't scapegoat anybody. You can't just bring in a new figurehead in place of McCarthy and he could be like, well, you guys are down on your luck, but I'll fix it. Yeah, or, you know, now we got rid of Brandon Bostic and Bring so a now- new third string tight end, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't see, obviously it might not happen because, you know, these guys are resilient. They're obviously have come back from some pretty big things over the last couple of years, but I don't see how this doesn't, to some degree, poison the locker room. First off, those Rogers comments, he, that's something he actually said, you said? No, it, okay. it, he didn't actually say that, but he questioned the, he's like, oh, we weren't as aggressive as we usually are. Sure, and okay. was all, basically criticizing the play calling in the public. And so I'm inferring from that. Sure. That okay. I think his confidence is. <laughs> I was like, holy cow, how did yeah. I not hear about He said, that? I hate Mike. If I ever see him again, I'm punching him in the face. That's <laughs> what he said. I don't know. I, I agree with you to a point, but I also might disagree in that it seems like a lot of times things like this are what brings a team together to succeed and to drive them to be better, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, coming together from tragedy like this and, and kind of banding together to... I mean, I guarantee you these guys are going to work probably a little bit harder this off season than they would have otherwise unless they're in such a deep depression that they just can't anymore. Um, yeah. 
I don't know. I think you can bring most of the team back. I still think that this team is probably the second best in the NFC. If if you bring them back and they can all kind of come together from this and, and learn from it, I guess. And yeah. I don't know. You hate to take your lumps in this kind of a fashion, but I think that it, it could potentially be used as a learning experience. So I don't think you need to blow anything up, although that was my thought yesterday was just fire everybody and trade Aaron Rodgers for like a six-round draft pick and fire <laughs> McCarthy <laughs> two seconds after the game. And then you come to the realization that this team is pretty darn good and that I don't know. You probably don't have to do much with it, and they're still a really, really good team. I, I don't think you have to blow anything up. Maybe some changes need to be made. Maybe they make a change at defensive coordinator just for, for the sake of it, I guess. I'm not sure. but um, And I guess that's what I'm getting at is yeah. I, I was the opposite yesterday. I was so sad. I mean, usually I'm angry. I mean, I want to fire everybody after they lose week three to the, the Lions, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to get rid of anybody because they proved yesterday they're good. Yep. They're as good as anybody in the NFL. So I was, um, I'm getting at how do you erase the stink of this game without tearing it down? H- how do they come back together and get in those uniforms again and not think about what happened yesterday? And so that's that could be a good thing, though, right? I mean, you can yeah. think about that every Arguably, single game, yeah. and that drives you to go harder. I guess it's just a matter of how they respond to it. Yeah, and, and to me, next year, the two most likely scenarios are either – they go eight and eight and are just a complete mess. And Rodgers and McCarthy are bickering, and, and it's all blown up after that. Yeah, or they're like, we proved last year that we have to have home field advantage, and they go fourteen and two and murder everybody and win mm-hmm. a Super Bowl. Um, you know, obviously, I hope it's the latter, but yeah, I mean, this is the ultimate gut check, and I think you might be right if they come back next year. Like the 96 team, with their resolve, when they lost to Dallas after playing a perfect game that it wasn't as bad as it was yesterday, but as big underdogs with the lead in the fourth quarter in Dallas, and then self-destructing in three straight plays, where you have Favre throw an interception, then Emmett Smith run for a touchdown, and then, I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but it was very dramatic how the Packers had control and then they lost control in like two plays. But their response was, okay, it's clear that we're good, we just need home field advantage to win the Super Bowl, and then they d- were the one of the best teams in the Super Bowl era the next year and just destroyed everybody on the way to the Super Bowl. This team might have the makeup to do that, um, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get over what happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> yeah, let's go to Facebook where we had a ton of people commenting on it. I feel like Packer fans everywhere just... There's some times where there's losses where you just want to stew to yourself, and I feel like this one we all just wanted to talk it out. <laughs> At least that's how I felt. I couldn't usually the day after losses I turn off football for weeks, and I just couldn't get enough of articles and comment sections and listening to local radio because it's somewhat bizarrely therapeutic to know that there are people that feel as rotten as I do today about how stupid or how something as stupid as a football game, but. Um, I obviously can't read all of these because uh, everybody had some great, great comments. If you haven't gone there yet, I would encourage you to go to the Green and Gold Forever podcast Facebook page and read some of that. But uh, we did get some uh, people asking some questions. Uh, Daniel Johnson, one of our great fans, um, he added – I thought I, I – I must have lost it. Oh, well, he's he's doing it in kind of a sarcastic way, but he's like, uh, Packers, what if for you? What if Vince Lombardi – wouldn't have gone for the win with no timeouts in the ice bowl and went in overtime. Was he too aggressive then? But it paid <laughs> off. Is hindsight always twenty twenty? So, uh, and then Jason Chastain uh, adds, "I'd like to hear your thoughts on what many are saying that McCarthy was far too conservative on a play calling wise." Uh, so let's start there. And yep. uh, what do you think about that? That's definitely no. the most common <laughs> criticism. I'll say no. Yeah, I've heard that all day long, and I can understand it, but I think it is hindsight. I, when he was doing it, I agreed with it because. I knew it was going to be a low-scoring game. Seattle's offense didn't look good against our defense, so I'm thinking to myself, you know, if you can get a field goal every drive, you're going to win this game. Mm-hmm. And just attack on a few points early when their defense is so good. If, if you try to run it, we proved early that if you try to run it in a short yardage down, there's a good chance you're not going to get it. So in, in spreading it out, there's a good chance you're not going to get it. And our red zone offense has been terrible all year long. So yeah. give me three points at a time against that defense, and, and I'll take that, I guess. I... I know that's probably not the the popular thing to say, but I I uh, I had no problem with it when it happened, and I guess I don't now, other than the fact that we know we we may have won the game had we gone for it on both of those situations. 
Yeah, I am with you most of the way there. I didn't have any problem with the second half play calling. You don't expect, after the Burnett interception, for Eddie Lacy to get blown up for a five-yard loss on the first play. I mean, that changes the drive tremendously. I really wanted them to go for it on that second fourth and goal from the one. I know there's a risk there that you could get the 12th man back into it if uh, if you miss it. It just felt like I had an uneasy feeling already from the beginning when you're just completely dominating them and you're only up six to nothing when you could be up 21 to nothing or or something to that degree. And I. So that one, I, I wish he would have gone for one of it, but I totally understand why he didn't. Because if you come away with nothing on three drives in the red zone, if you have two interceptions and get stuffed twice, well then, holy cow, I mean, that place is going to be creating beastquakes or whatever the hell they call them over there. And so I get it. I have no problem with the second half thing. Let's not pretend for one second that Aaron Rodgers was Aaron Rodgers yesterday. The dude who's getting no criticism about how bad his freaking teammates are again today, had a 55 passer rating. I checked. As good as Seattle is, that's the fourth worst anybody has played against Seattle. That's worse than two Cam Newton starts, one of the Colin Kaepernick ones, Kirk Cousins, Austin Davis, Sean Hill. All of those guys were better than Rodgers was yesterday. And so I know he was hurt. I understand it. But let's not pretend like Aaron Rodgers was just awesome and they handcuffed him by running the ball. He sucked yesterday. Sucked is strong, but he was not good. Yeah, I wouldn't say sucked, but he he wasn't good enough, that's for sure. And when I heard that press conference where he blamed a lot of other things and... um, I don't know if he necessarily took enough ownership for how he played, I guess, either. Cause he, yeah, play he just, like the MVP, and none of that right? can happen. And instead you throw for a... It's funny, because I heard somebody, I think it was the day before on SportsCenter, saying, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to have one of those games where he throws for 170 yards and two picks and a touchdown, and that's exactly <laughs> what happened. And it was kind of strange after I looked at the stat line. But, I mean, he was he was average playoff loss Aaron Rodgers, for sure, yeah. in that game. He's, he further cemented his legacy that he is Steve Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, if, if those divisional round games against lesser teams, they'll light them up. But once you start playing those elite teams, he he just becomes another regular guy. Yeah. And I I sarcastically tweeted uh, after the fake field goal where Rodgers, of course, we went three and out. I said, is there a surer bet in sports that Aaron Rodgers taking a sack on third down after a big momentum shift? <laughs> and I don't think there is. And I understand he's playing the percentages, but it's that old argument that we always talk about. Favre will die shooting until he doesn't have any bullets left at anything that moves. Rodgers will die with his gun in his holster. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. They both end up dead. But, you know, the one at least feels more satisfying as a person who has zero control over what's happening. Sure. Um, AJ Hawk... <laughs> Uh, I, I won't as as bad as the Bostic and the Clinton Dix one were. That might be the one I understand the least as to how that possibly happened. Yeah, and if people don't know what we're referring to, AJ Hawk, uh, I, I mentioned it earlier in the show, but basically thought that John Ryan was going to outrun Devon House for 15 yards, and thought he had to bring up support and left the guy wide open. I didn't rewatch any of this game, obviously, but. First of all, I noticed that right away and thought how stupid it was, but why are you not just playing a base defense to try to stop? You're not going to block a 35-yard field goal. You haven't blocked a field goal of that distance in, like, 30 years. So why not just play your base defense and say, yeah, take the three. We don't care. Your offense stinks. Yeah, and I I wondered going into this game, too, I heard some comments about John Ryan saying the Packers cutting was a mistake or something like that. And my thought coming into the game was, what are they going to do with him? Because obviously he's great at the fakes. We've seen it time and time again. Their punter was trash-talking? Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, I hate that team. And it made me think that they were definitely going to try to use him. I I mean, that's Pete Carroll for you. He's going to know that, and he's going to do something. So for them to not even think about that, knowing that he used to be your punter and the guy can run like crazy, he's a great athlete, and and apparently apparently throw too. So, um, well, he, they're right though because I mean last year all anybody talks about that Legion of Boom is man those punts were so well placed. I mean if somebody else had John Ryan, the the field position benefits would be so great that they'd be winning Super Bowls. Yeah, but for AJ Hawk, didn't it's not like he didn't see the guy coming across him. He ran right in front of him. He was covering him and decided, all right, let's just run, let him run completely free to the end zone. <laughs> that, I know it's a split decision in a big moment there, but for that to come through your brain doesn't make any sense to me. No, uh, he's got to go. 
Uh, I yeah, he's done for sure. They could have won yesterday, and I, I would have been ready for him to be done. But there's a lot of guys that are up. I think he's got to be done. I'm iffy on Bulaga. I mean, I know he's nice, and it's hard to find a guy that good. But at the same thing, it's like he needs to spend all mini camp practicing getting out of his stance when the ball is actually snapped. Yeah, he loves false starts. Oh, it's ridiculous. Tremont Williams, I'm super torn on. I know I'll, I'll defer to you a little bit here because you'll probably give a more honest opinion than I will because he's – or maybe you won't. Maybe you'll give the opposite uh, slant opinion because I know he's one of your favorite players. But yeah. um, I think that the Tremont Williams of 2010, much like the Packers' defense of 2010, was a bit of a fluke, and I don't think he's ever been – close to that good again yeah I agree and it, it hurts to say it because he's one of my favorites but I mean to get burnt like that uh, by Ricardo Lockett yeah on a post route when the game's on the line is unacceptable and he's been he's been good the last few years he hasn't been elite I don't think anybody would say that anymore where he seemed on the verge of it in 2010 mm-hmm. um, but he's he's good if you can keep around keep him I don't think he's gonna call for a big price tag. No, he's old now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you can keep him around, keep him, but he's definitely one of those guys that you can see end up starting for like the, you know, the Bills or the Raiders or something next year. Just kind of moves on from his primary team in his career. He's no longer an elite player. He's just kind of, he's there. If he's a nickelback on the Packers next year, I will be pretty psyched, but if he walks, I'm not going to be bummed either. Well, if he's on the team, he's got to start because Casey Hayward stinks. I mean, Yeah, that's true. House... (laughs) House and Nick Perry are made of balsa wood and rubber bands. I, I think if they ever high fived and they both turned to <laughs> dust, uh, so and, and that secondary had about the best game they've ever played yesterday too, going, which is the most depressing part. And we're like, man, all, all the talk about these Seattle receivers was right. Our secondary's good and deep, and then all of a sudden the secondary just looked like nothing and just yeah. got completely shredded by these average receivers. And I think that's the most frustrating part for me is, you know, Dix and Williams and Shields had these great games going, like amazing games. The pass rush was going, and then all of a sudden you can't cover these average guys. Yeah. I think Doug Baldwin was the one who was who was bragging that, oh, they said I was an average receiver. What now? And I say, you're still an average yeah, receiver. Still average. He, he really dropped about three lucky. balls and fumbled. And, yeah, and everybody doubted them, too, he also said. Oh, yeah, every, everybody doubted them. That's why the seven-and-a-half-point uh, – Odds makers uh, spread was an eight point spread by the time the game started. So yeah, I hate guys like that. I hate. I think if you say everybody doubted us, no matter even if it's true, you should get fined five thousand dollars. It's the worst thing in sports. Everybody doubted us. We're the defending Super Bowl champions at home against a team that everybody in the world thinks we're going to destroy. But everybody doubted us because we sucked for fifty five minutes and then pulled a game out of thin air because the other team didn't want to win. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I now I'm starting to get mad, but I'm still I, I'm <laughs> more good. mad at Seattle. I I I'm I'm not mad at our guys. I I think they all deserve some br- blame, but they all deserve some praise. I mean, just think about how good that America's Game episode would have been if they would have won yesterday in Seattle, going for the win. And that that's the hardest part is instead of that, now you get to see this team full of tools that I can't stand. <laughs> They're going to probably go win another one, and you have to deal with that garbage again for another year. Is this the... I know I kind of mentioned it before, but what are some games that are worse than this in NFL history or even sports history? I think Bartman... Even Bartman and Buckner, though, those were game six, so you had an instant rebuttal. Yesterday, it's just over. The season's over. The guys have already cleaned up their lockers and are going home. At the same point, though, that the the Cubs hadn't won a a World Series, and... And forever, where we at least got one four years ago. I think that's the only solace I take in this, is if the Packers hadn't won a Super Bowl since 96, yeah. I think we've got a legitimate gripe for that. But I think considering we just won a championship, mm-hmm. uh, as, as much as it hurts, I, there's a lot of fan bases that can complain about a lot more than us. Yeah, but, I mean, when you're starting to talk cumulatively, yeah, if you name the ten most exciting playoff games to a casual observer... Five of those are recent Packers losses. I mean, in every way possible. And, yeah, yesterday is as bad as it gets. I was ready to proclaim yesterday the worst loss in NFL history. It's certainly the worst loss in Packers history. I was, yeah. But then I, I'm kind of thinking, and it's still in the running, and I would give it my vote, but the David Tyree catch 
is got to be up there <laughs> um, for the Patriots to lose that 19 and 0 season. So I think that's um, and the 98 NFC Championship game for Vikings fans might win. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're up 20 to seven. Then you're up and you have a guy who hasn't missed a field goal of year to put you up by 10. And I think they even won the coin toss in overtime and had Randy Moss open and he either dropped it or it was overthrown or something and then Atlanta wins. So, man, ours is in the that running. That might take the cake. Yeah, ours is in the running, but I think you're right with that Vikings one. I think that one might win. Yeah, so I used to like making fun of uh, Vikings fans for that game, but I don't think it's it, – as much as the rivalry is uh, fun, uh, I don't think I have it in my heart anymore to ever – Tease a Vikings fan about the '98 NFC Championship game because it just right yeah, and we're on the other side of it, so you don't really think about it in that fashion, I guess. But you're right; that would have been absolutely devastating. We're just cheering our butts off, but yeah. they're probably all crying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, do you care at all about what happens in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I do actually, and I'm surprised. After that 07-1, I didn't want to watch the Giants Super Bowl at all. But now for this one, I'm hardcore Patriots right now. So (laughs) it's kind of interesting to see how you feel coming off of a game like this because everybody's different. But And I I heard on SVP today, it made me feel better because he was talking about how bad they feel for us and how we shouldn't, you know, if you don't want to watch the game, it's completely understandable. But it's I want to watch the game and I want to watch the Patriots smoke the Seahawks just so I can see those guys sit on the sidelines with their heads down. Well, like they were <laughs> after 55 minutes, uh, um, but to see it for good. And it'll be nice to see Brady win another Super Bowl if they can pull it off, too. So I'm going to be invested in this game. Yeah, I I could care less, honestly. I don't Because I don't like New England that much either, and especially they're cheating using deflated balls, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't even care to talk about that. But uh, I'm, I'm sure if the, the balls were inflated to regular strength, you would have not lost by 38 points. Right. But, yeah, it reminds me of that other... Apparently the Patriots always make the Super Bowls after the horrible Packer playoff losses because... Yeah, in in recent years, the two Giants-Patriots Super Bowls I could not care about. I was watching... I'm a huge, obvious fan of NFL history, and a chance to see the most historic team of all time go 19-0 and and cement themselves as the undisputed greatest team in history, and maybe we'll do that in the offseason, the best teams of all time. Statistically, it's not even close. It's the 2007 Patriots, even with the loss. Shut up, Miami Dolphins. But I watched that game. It's the only time I've ever been to a Super Bowl party. I watched that game in the dark by myself with the volume on super low. And I just sat there reclined in a chair. And when David Tyree made that catch, it should have been one of the greatest plays in NFL history. I'm like, oh, wow, Giants won. Turned it off and went to bed. And I feel like this game's going to be like it, too. I'm sure I'll have people over because I like to grill and all that business. But uh, I do not care what happens in the game in the least. Sure. Um, a big Katy Perry fan I am, so uh, I'm, I'm just going to tune in for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just really targeting the football fans there with that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, big big crossover appeal. Oh, I, I don't... Here's just kind of a side topic to not focus so much on how awful life is, but what's Tom Brady's legacy if they lose? Well, it's definitely unlike anybody's <laughs> that that's ever had. I You can't compare it to anyone. Yeah. But it's... I don't know. That's a really tough one. I think he still goes down as, as one of the best, but... Like Roger Staubach, maybe? Yeah, it, it's tough to have that insane of a start of your career where you win three and then lose three straight. Honestly, yeah. I think if he loses this game, it's going to harm his legacy a lot. Um, because I think he's a great quarterback, it's clear, but he's what now in the playoffs? Like 19-8 and eight or something like that? Ten of those wins, or, or nine of those wins, came in those first three years, and those yeah. were all with the best defense in the NFL. And he hasn't won anything since his elite defense went away. Sure. And I think if we're going to talk about how great he is and that he's head and shoulders above Peyton Manning, well, he's had the chance to prove it recently, and he lost to two of the worst, if not the two worst teams to ever win a Super Bowl. He should have lit those teams up and beat them by a million points. And so I think Seattle's much better than either of those Giants teams. If he goes 0-3 for 3 without that elite defense, I think it clouds him a lot. Um, but nobody will do that because... I don't know, nobody likes to... Apparently, everybody questions your legacy until you have it, and then everybody fights anybody who tries to question it. 
Yeah. I don't know, though. I, I heard somebody say this morning, and it was kind of the opposite of how I had felt before, where it's like, well, Montana never lost the Super Bowl. Well, Brady definitely has, but he's made six now. Yeah. So, I mean, should you be punished for, for not losing the NFC Championship game to the New York Giants then, in, in terms of Joe Montana, <laughs> I guess? Yeah. I mean, you, you lost the game sooner, so he made it to six Super Bowls. That's unreal. Yeah. And and he had a lot to do with that yesterday, too, and he has for every single one of their playoff runs. So I I think you're right. I mean, it changes his legacy in a different means. It makes him this guy who had a really good start to his career, was still really good, but lost in the Super Bowls. But I, to me, I think his legacy is kind of already what it is, I guess. So I, mm-hmm. I might disagree a little bit on that. I think he's pretty much what he's going to be at this point, unless he can win a couple more championships. Yeah, and I think for the most part you're right. I just think people... If he loses another one, especially if they get beat like the Broncos got beat last year. Yeah, that could be different. Yeah, I think that's going to make people look at those first three championships under a magnifying glass and be like, really? He won the Super Bowl MVP against the greatest show on turf with 140 passing yards? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really what happened over there. The first Super Bowl championship run, when he proved himself as this great winner, they lucked out. With a tuck rule, Drew Bledsoe won them the AFC Championship game, and then he beat the greatest show on turf with 145 passing yards. Mm-hmm. And so I think people are going to look at that stuff more closely and realize, wow, he beat Pete Manning's best offense with 90 yards passing. It's like, well, heck, Doug Peterson should be a Hall of Famer then if he could have been on a defense like that. Yeah. Which is obviously not true, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess though, you never really think about that, though, but I guess that run is kind of a little bit... Strange. I mean, he definitely had two really good ones after that, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, for him to be the hero in that run when it really wasn't that much to do with him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so at least the thing that I was super pumped about after yesterday's game, and I was really down for a while, but then my spirits were completely lifted when I realized that all of our favorite Packers will be competing in next Sunday's Pro Bowl. Uh, so are you are you very excited to see that in the second uh, Pro Bowl draft? I'm not going to watch one second of that. <laughs> so stupid. I actually watched it when it was AFC NFC. That's still at least, although it was dumb, it still at least reminded me a little bit of like what we used to watch when we were kids. And it was like, all right, AFC versus NFC. Have some pride in the NFC. That's a reason to watch, I guess. But now it's like I don't care at all. Yeah, it's like the. F- fantasy football come to life it's mm-hmm. the dumbest thing i've ever seen and the jerseys they put them in because nike hates sports fans yeah they look like they took dirty gray uniforms took them to a second grade class and said all i have is a package of highlighters with like four <laughs> color can you make us some sweet unis um the ugh. game is like someone else telling you about their fantasy team for three straight hours <laughs> and they don't even have a, a championship prize <laughs> yeah that's perfect Oh man, I I don't know how to end this show. Um, I can I can check the Facebook page and see. Oh, uh, apparently the referees missed an offside on uh, Richard Sherman's interception. Uh, Bethany had that on there. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I I appreciate it. Bethany. Thanks, your sister. I love you. But uh, that was like the first play of the game and. I want to know if they screwed up that uh, personal foul penalty on Clay Matthews, because instead of being second and 31, which still should not have allowed them to complete a third and 19, it should have been third and 45, if I'm uh, uh, interpreting the rules correctly. Yeah, I didn't get that at all when it happened, and apparently the announcers didn't think anything of it, but I didn't get it. It was an after-the-play personal foul, late hit. How was that not tacked on to the spot of the ball? Why was that declined? I had no idea why that was the case. Yeah, it's... (laughs) I don't think there needs to be any more examples into how broken the officiating is. I think their problem is they're just watching the game. They get so wrapped up in it. They need to get robo-refs or they need to get... You have 157 angles of every single individual player. Can't we just have the referees be in New York City calling from the booth? I mean, I think, honestly, that's the problem, and that's where home field advantage comes into play because how could you not get caught up in the excitement of the crowd yesterday and not do your job properly. Right. Um, but Bostic catches the ball. Who the hell cares? They could have made a hundred bad calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, a uh, lot of interactivity on the Facebook page. Is interactivity a word? Interact. It is now. Okay. Well, there you go. We coined a word at least this season. 
I think we're going to take a little bit of a break for Green and Gold Forever. I don't know if we'll do a Super Bowl show. We'll see. Uh, hopefully we can do the Goldies at some point, but this is just such a sad season. It's going to take me a while before I even want to go back and start compiling nominees for for the different things. And right. this, this is actually the first week of, uh, or first year in the three of Green and Gold Forever that we were able to do a show every single week. And um, Matt especially, but uh, me as well, have had to juggle our schedules quite a bit and uh, I hope Matt agrees but I, I certainly enjoy doing this show and I'm glad that people seem to like it so uh, mm-hmm. but after what happened yesterday I'm just I need to get away from football for a while <laughs> yeah and on a, a side note you know kind of away from the Packers and for our fans it was really nice to kind of see us blow up a little bit this year with the people watching it we never had any comments other than from like two <laughs> people in the past like the last two years then we had a lot of new people so yeah um, to everybody who did that it was much appreciated yeah, and uh, I also wanted to uh, give a special thanks to Ty Collins, who uh, got Green and Gold Forever some extra exposure and allowed me to live out one of my dreams as a kid to, to be on the radio. And uh, I followed that for a while, and then I took my career path a different direction. But it was really cool to get a chance to do that, and uh, was one of my favorite times of the week to go in there and kind of horse around. And uh, I'm very inexperienced at uh, these things in a professional manner, and he always made me sound like a million bucks on the air. So I, I definitely want to give a, a shout-out to Ty. All right, so that's the end of 2014. Unlike any season that I think we'll ever see, I was so depressed today, as I've said quite a number of times, but part of me thought, because I'm ever the optimist, football is such an addiction. My whole year is so interwoven into the football schedule. As much as I want to walk away, I can't. I'm sure I'll be right back into it, and I'll be as committed next year, and it can't get worse than it was yesterday, can it? (laughs) I don't think there's any possible way that it gets worse than that game. <laughs> yeah, so let's you say that now, but you just wait. Oh God. Yeah, yeah wait. but no, I don't think there's a possible scenario where it gets much worse than that. Yeah, and they might have lost the Super Bowl anyways, and then that would have been pretty devastating too. Yeah, that's true. But okay, well, we'll we'll get through it, Packer fans, and maybe we just all need to take a couple of deep breaths and let it all settle in, and you know. Uh, we still got a good team. Let's just keep thinking about that. We got a good team, and if they can channel this negative energy into something positive, they might be really, really good next year. <laughs> and so let's just hope that happens. And for now, let's just let the season be over and take a few deep breaths and uh, take it all in and try to enjoy some other hobbies for once, which is right, always interesting. <laughs> let's try to, I know it's impossible <laughs> as a Packer fan, but try to take some perspective and hang out with your family on a Sunday, which we haven't been able to do in months. And <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right, so uh, Matt, thanks again for another great season. I had fun. Yeah, me too. All right, so uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon, probably not in a recorded format. But uh, thanks again, everybody, for all the support this year. And Wallace, too. Thanks to Wallace for, for joining us the last couple episodes. Oh, that was a tough one, but it can only get better, right? Take go care, Patriots. <laughs> yeah, go Pats. Take care, everyone.